Bhagwan. Walter Kay was a visitor at a certain temple. A fire started under the kitchen floor. A monk rushed into Tokay's room shouting, A fire! Master, a fire! Oh, said Tokay sitting up. Where? Where? exclaimed the monk. Why? Under the kitchen floor. Get up at once. The kitchen, eh? said the master drowsily. Well, tell you what, when it reaches the passageway, come back and let me know. Tokay was snoring again in no time. The whole ignorance of mind consists in not being in the present. always moving into the future or into the past. Mind is never here and now. It cannot be. The very nature of mind is such it cannot be in the present. Because mind has to think and in the present moment, there is no possibility to think. You have to see. You have to listen. You have to be present. But you cannot think. The present moment is so narrow that there is no space to think about. You can be. But thoughts cannot be. How can you think? If you think, it means it is already past. The moment has gone. Or you can think if it has not come yet. It is in the future. For thinking, space is needed. Because thinking is like a walk, walk of the mind, a journey, a space is needed. You can walk into the future, you can walk into the past, how can you walk, how you can walk in the present? The present is so close, really not even close, the present is you. Past and future are parts of time. Present is you. It is not part of time. It is not a tense. It is not at all a part of time. It doesn't belong to time. Present is you. Past and future are out of you. The mind cannot exist in the present. If you can be here, totally present, mind will disappear. Mind 
can desire, can dream. Dream a thousand and one thoughts. It can move to the very end of the world. It can move to the very beginning of the world. But it cannot be here and now. That is impossible for it. The whole ignorance consists of not knowing this. And then you worry about the past which is no more. It is absolute stupid. You cannot do anything about the past. How can you do anything about the past which is no more? Nothing can be done. It has already gone. But you worry about it. And worrying about it you waste yourself. Are you think about the future and dream and desire? Have you ever observed? Future never comes. It cannot come. Whatsoever comes is always the present. And the present is absolutely different than your desires, your dreams. That's why whatsoever you desire and dream and imagine and plan for and worry about never happens. But it wastes you. You go on deteriorating. You go on dying. Your energies go on moving in a desert. Not reaching to any goal simply dissipating and then death knocks at your door and remember death never knocks in the past and death never knocks in the future death knocks in the present you cannot say to death tomorrow death knocks in the present Life also knocks in the present. God also knocks in the present. Everything that is always knocks in the present. And everything that is not is always part of past or future. Your mind is a false entity because it never knocks in the present. Let this be the criterion of reality. Whatsoever is, is always here and now. Whatsoever is not, is never a part of the present. Drop all that which never knocks in the now. And if you move in the now, a new dimension opens, the dimension of the eternity. Past and present move in a horizontal line. Just like A moves to B, B moves to C, C moves to D in a line. Eternity moves vertical. A moves deeper into the A. 
higher into the A, not to B. A goes on moving deeper and higher both the ways. It is vertical. The present movement moves vertical. Time moves horizontal. Time and present never meet. And you are the present. Your whole being moves vertical. The depth is open, the height is open, but you are moving horizontally with the mind. That's how you miss God. People come to me and they ask how to meet God, how to see, how to realize. That is not the point. The point is how you are missing Him. Because He is here and now knocking at your door. Otherwise it cannot be. If He is the real, He must be here and now. Only unreality is not here and now. He is already at your door. But you are not there. You are never at home. You go on wandering into millions of worlds. But you are never at home. There, you are never found. And God comes to meet you there. The reality surrounds you there, but never founds you there. The real question is not how you should meet God. The real question is how you should be at home. So when God knocks, He founds you there. It is not a question of your finding Him. It is a question of Him finding you. So a real meditation, a man of understanding, does not bother about God or that type of matters because he is not a philosopher. He simply tries how to be at home. How to stop worrying about the future and the past, thinking about future and past. How to settle here and now. How not to move from this moment. Once you are in this moment, the door opens. This moment is the door. I was staying once with a Catholic priest and his family. It happened one evening. I was sitting with the family, the priest, his wife, and there he young child was playing in the corner of the room with few blocks making something. Then suddenly he said, no, everybody be quiet because I have made the church. The church is ready, now be silent. The father was very happy that the boy understood that in the church one has to be quiet. To encourage him, he said, why one needs to be quiet in a church? Because, said the boy, 
the people are asleep. The people are really asleep, not only in the church, on the whole earth, everywhere. They are asleep in the church because they come asleep from the outside. They go out of the church, they move in sleep. Everybody is a sleepwalker, somnambulist. And this is the sleep, the nature of a sleep that you are never here and now. Because if you are here and now, you will be awake. Sleep means in the past, sleep means in the future. Mind is the sleep. Mind is a deep hypnosis, fast asleep. And you try many ways. But nothing seems to help you because anything done in the sleep will not be of much help. Because if you do it in sleep, it will not be more than a dream. I have heard that once a man came to a psychoanalyst very absent-minded psychoanalyst and everybody is absent-minded because mind is absent-mindedness absent not at home that's what absent-mindedness means the psychoanalyst very absent-minded the man came and he asked that I am in a much trouble and I have knocked at all the doors of all types of doctors Nobody could help me, and they say nothing is wrong, but I am in trouble. I snore so loudly in my sleep that I wake up myself, and it happens so many times in the night. The snoring is so loud that I wake up myself. Without exactly listening what this man is saying, the psychoanalyst said, this is nothing. A simple thing can change the whole matter. You simply sleep in another room. You understand? But this is what everybody is doing exactly. You go on changing rooms. Sleep continues, snoring continues. Because you cannot leave it in another room. It is not something separate from you. It is you. It is your mind. It is your whole accumulated past. Your memory, your knowledge. What Hindus call sanskaras. All the conditionings, they make your mind. You go in another room, they follow you there. You can change your religion, you can become a Christian from a Hindu, you can become a Hindu from a Christian. You change rooms. Nothing will happen out of it. You can go on changing your masters. From one master to another, from one ashram to another. Nothing will be of much help. You are changing rooms.
and the basic thing is not to change the room but to change you the room is not concerned with your snoring the room is not the cause you are the cause this is the first thing to be understood then you will be able to follow this beautiful story your mind as it is is a sleep but you cannot feel how it is a sleep because you look quite awake with open eyes but have you ever seen anything you look quite awake with your open ears but have you ever heard anything you are listening to me you will say yes but are you listening to me or listening to your mind inside your mind is constantly commenting i am here talking to you but you are not there listening to me your mind constantly comments yes it is right i agree i don't agree this is absolutely false your mind is there is tending constantly comment through this commentary this fog of the mind i cannot penetrate you understanding comes when you are not interpreting you simply listen in a small school teachers found that one boy was not listening he was very uneasy and fidgety restless so she asked why are you in some difficulty are you not able to hear me the boy said hearing is okay listening is the problem he made a really subtle distinction he said hearing is okay i am hearing you but listening is the problem because listening is more than hearing listening is hearing with full awareness hearing is just okay sounds are all around you you hear but you are not listening you have to hear because the sound will go on knocking at your ear drum you have to hear but you are not there to listen because listening means a deep attention a rapid not a commentary constant inside not saying yes or no not agreeing disagreeing because if you agree and disagree in that moment how can you listen to me when you agree what i said is already past when you disagree it is already gone and in the moment you nod your head inside say no or yes 
you are missing and this is a constant thing inside you you cannot listen and the more knowledge you have the more listening becomes difficult listening means the innocent attention you simply listen there is no need to be in agreement or disagreement i am not in search of your agreement or disagreement i am not asking for your vote i am not seeking your followership i am not in any way trying to convince you what you do when a parrot starts is screeching in the tree do you comment yes then too you said disturbing even to a parrot you cannot listen when the wind is blowing through the trees and the rustling noise do you listen to it sometimes maybe unawares it catches you but then do you comment yes beautiful now watch whenever you comment you fall asleep the mind has come in and with the mind the past and future enters the vertical line is last you become horizontal the moment mind enters you become horizontal you miss eternity simply listen there is no need to say yes or no there is no need to be convinced or non convinced simply listen and the truth will be revealed to you are the untruth if somebody is saying something nonsense if you simply listen the nonsense will be revealed to you without any commentary from the mind if somebody is saying truth it will be revealed to you truth or untruth is not a agreement or disagreement of your mind it is a feeling when you are in total rapport you feel and you simply feel it is true or it is untrue and the thing is finished no worrying about it no thinking about it what the thinking can do if you have been brought up in a certain way if you are a christian or a hindu or a mohammedan and i am talking something which happens to agree with your upbringing you will say yes if it doesn't happen so you will say no are you here or only just the upbringing is here and upbringing is just accidental the mind cannot find what is true the mind cannot find what is untrue 
the mind can reason about it. But all reasoning is based on the conditioning. If you are a Hindu, you reason in a different way. If you are a mountain, you reason in a different way. And every type of conditioning rationalizes. It is not really reasoning. You rationalize. Mullah Nasuddin became very aged. He attained 100 years. A reporter came to see him because he was the oldest citizen around the, that part. The reporter said, Nasuddin, few questions I would like to ask. One is, do you think that you will be able to live hundred years more? Nasuddin said, of course, because hundred years before I was no, not so strong as I am now. Hundred years before he was just a child, born. And he said, hundred years before I was not so strong as I am now. And if that small child, helpless, weak, could survive for hundred years, why not I? This is rationalization. Looks logical. but misses something. It is a wish-fulfillment. You would like to survive more. You create a reason around it. You believe in the immortality of your soul. You have been brought up in a culture which says the soul is eternal. If somebody says, yes, the soul is eternal, you nod. You say, yes, that's right. But that's not right or wrong. You say, yes, because it is a deep-rooted conditioning in you. There are others. Half the world believes, Hindu, Mohammedans and Jains, they believe that the soul is eternal and there are many rebirths and half the world, Christians, Mohammedans, Jews, they believe that soul is not eternal and there is no rebirth, only one life and then the soul dissolves into the ultimate. Half the world believes this, half the world believes that. And they all have their own arguments. And they all have their own rationalizations. Whatsoever you want to believe, you will believe. But deep down, your desire will be the cause, not reason. Mind looks rational, but it is not. It is a rationalizing process. Whatsoever you want to believe, the mind says yes. And from where that wanting comes, that comes from your upbringing. Listening is a totally different affair. It has a totally different quality to it. When you listen, you cannot be a Hindu or a Mountain or a Jain 
or a Christian. When you listen, you cannot be a theist or an atheist. When you listen, you can't listen through the skin of your isms, scriptures. You have to put them all aside. You simply listen. I'm not saying you agree. Don't be afraid. You simply listen, not being bothered by agreement or disagreement. And then a report happens. If the truth is there, suddenly you are drawn. Your whole being, as if a magnet is drawing, you melt and merge into it. And your heart feels this is true without any reason, without any argument, without any logic. This is why religions call reason is not the way to the divine. They call faith. They call trust. What is trust? Is it a belief? No, because belief belongs to the mind. Trust is a rapport. You simply put aside all your defense measures, your armor. You become vulnerable. You listen to something. And you listen so totally that a feeling arises in you whether this is true or not. If it is untrue, you feel it. Why it happens? If it is true, you feel it. Why it happens? It happens because truth resides in you. When you are totally non-thinking, your inner truth can feel wherever truth is because the same always feels the same. It fits. Suddenly everything fits. Everything falls in a pattern and the chaos becomes a cosmos. The words fall in line. and a poetry arises. Then everything simply fits if you are in rapport. And the truth is there, your inner being simply agrees with it. It is not an agreement. You feel a tuning. You become one. This is trust. If something is wrong, it simply falls from you. You never pay a second attention to it. You never look at it a second time. There is no meaning in it. You never say this is untrue. It simply doesn't fit you move. If it fits, it becomes your home. If it doesn't fit, you move. Through listening comes trust. But listening needs hearing plus attention. And you are fast asleep. How you can be attentive? But even fast asleep, a fragment of attention remains floating in you. Otherwise there was no way. You may be in a prison, 
but possibilities always exist, you can come out. Difficulties may be there, but it is not impossible, because prisoners have been known to escape. A Buddha escapes. These are, these, they were also prisoners like you. A Mahavir escapes. A Jesus escapes. Prisoners have escaped before. Prisoners have always escaped. There remains somewhere a door, a possibility. You have simply to search for it. If it is impossible, there is no possibility, then there is no problem. The problem arises because the possibility is there. You are a little alert. If you are absolutely unalert, then there is no problem. If you are in a coma, then there is no problem. But you are not in a coma. You are asleep, but not totally. A gap, a leakage exists. You have to find within yourself that possibility of being attentive. Sometimes you become attentive. If somebody comes to hit you, the attention comes. If you are in a danger, if you are passing through a forest in the night and it is dark, you walk with a different quality of attention. You are awake. Thinking is not there. You are fully enwrapped with the situation, whatsoever is happening. Even if a leaf creates a sound, you are fully alert. You are just like a hare or a deer who is always awake. Your ears are bigger. Your eyes are wide open. You are feeling all around what is happening because danger is there. In danger, your sleep is less, your awareness is more. The gestalt changes. If somebody puts a dagger on your heart and it is just going to push in, in that moment there is no thinking. Past disappears, future disappears. You are here and now. The possibility is there. If you make effort, you can catch the one ray that exists in you. And once you catch the one ray, the sun is not very far. Then through the ray you can reach the sun. The ray becomes the path. So remember, whatsoever you do, 24 hours, let it become a continuity in you. Find attention. Eat, but try to be attentive. Eat with awareness. Walk, walk with awareness. Love, but love with fully aware. Try. It cannot become total just in one day. But even if one ray is caught, you will feel a deep fulfillment. 
because the quality is the same whether you attain to one ray or the whole sun. Whether you taste a drop of water from the ocean or the whole ocean, the salty taste is the same. And the taste becomes your satori, the glimpse. Here listening to me, be alert. Whenever you feel that you have gone again into sleep, bring yourself back. Just seek a little and bring yourself back. Walking on the street, if you feel you are walking in sleep, seek a little. Give a little seek to the whole body. Be alert. This alertness will remain only for a few moments. Again you will lose it because you have lived in sleep for so long. It has become such a habit. that you cannot see how you can go against it. I was traveling once from Calcutta to Bombay in a plane and one child was creating much nuisance running from this corner of aisle to the other disturbing everybody and then the stewardess came with some tea, coffee and the boy ran into her and everything was a mess and the mother of the child said now listen I have told you many times why you don't go out and play there Just old habit. And she is not aware and she was just sitting by my side. I listened, she told it and was not aware. And she never became alert what she has said. Only the child made it her alert. He said, what do you mean? If I go out, I am finished. A child is more attentive, of course, because he has less habits. A child is more alert because he has less armor around him. He is less imprisoned. And that's why all religions say when a man becomes a sage, he has some quality of the child, the innocence. then habits drop because habits are your prison and sleep is the greatest habit. Now, try to enter in this parable with me. While Tokai was a visitor at a certain temple, a fire is started under the kitchen floor. A monk rushed into Tokai's bedroom shouting, A fire, master, a fire! Ah! said Tokai sitting up, Where? 
Where? Exclaimed the monk. Why? Under the kitchen floor. Get up at once. The kitchen? Ah, said the master drowsily. Well, tell you what. When it reaches the passageway, come back and let me know. Tokai was snoring again in no time. Tokai was a great Zen master, enlightened, living in total awareness. And whenever you live in total awareness, you live moment to moment. You cannot plan. Even for the next moment you cannot plan. Because who knows, the next moment may never come. And how can you plan it beforehand? Because who knows, what will be the situation in the next moment? And if you plan too much, you may miss it, the freshness of it. Life is such a flux. Nothing remains the same. Everything moves. Heraclitus has said, you cannot step twice in the same river. How can you plan? By the time you are stepping twice, much river has flown. It is not the same river. Planning is possible if the past repeats. But past never repeats. Repetition never happens. Even if you see something repeating, it is just because you cannot see the whole. Heraclitus again, Heraclitus again, he says, every day the sun is new. Of course, you will say it is the same sun, but it cannot be the same. There is no possibility of its being the same. Much has changed. The whole sky is different. The whole pattern of its stars is different. The sun itself has become older. Now scientists say within 4000 years the sun will die. The death is coming near. Because sun is a alive phenomenon. It is very old. It has to die. Suns are born. They live and they die. 4000 years for us is very long. For the sun it is just nothing. It is as if the next moment it is going to die. And when the sun dies, the whole solar family disappears. Because the sun is the source. Every day the sun is dying and becoming older and older and older. It cannot be the same. Every day the energy is lost. Vast amount of energy is being thrown in the rays. 
the sun is less every day at chastity it is not the same it cannot be the same and the sun when it rises it rises upon a different world and the onlooker is also not the same yesterday you may have been filled with love then your eyes were different and the sun of course looked different you were so much filled with love that a certain quality of poetry was around you you looked through that poetry the sun may look may have looked like a god it looked to the seers of the vedas the kal sun the god they must have been filled with too much poetry they were poets in love with existence they were not scientists they were not in search what is the matter they were in search what is the mood they worshiped the sun they must have been very happy and blissful people because you can worship only when you feel a blessing you can worship only when you feel that your whole life is a blessing yesterday you may have been a poet today you may not be a poet at all because every moment the river is flowing within you you are also changing yesterday things were fitting into each other today everything is a mess you are angry you are depressed you are sad how can the sun be the same when the onlooker has changed everything changes so a man of understanding exactly never plans for the future cannot but he is more ready than you to meet the future this is the paradox you plan but you are not so ready in fact planning means that you feel so inadequate that's why you plan otherwise what plan a guest is coming and you plan what you are going to say to him what nonsense when the guest comes can't you be spontaneous but you are afraid you don't believe yourself you have no trust you plan you go through a rehearsal your life is a acting it is not a real thing because rehearsal is needed only in acting and remember when you are going through a rehearsal remember whatsoever happens will be an acting not a real thing the guest has not reached and you are planning already what you will say how you will garland him 
how you are going to respond. You are already saying things. The guest in the mind has already arrived. You are talking to him. In fact, by the time the guest arrives, you will be fed up with him. In fact, by the time the guest arrives, he has already been too much with you, you are bored. And whatsoever you say will not be true and authentic. It will not come from you. It will come from the memory. It will not pop up from your existence. It will come from the rehearsal that you have been doing. It will be false. And the meeting will not be possible. Because how a false man can meet? And the same may be with your guest. He was also planning. He is also fed up with you already. He has talked too much. And now he would like to be silent. And whatsoever he says will be out of the rehearsal. So wherever two persons meet, there are four persons meeting. At least more are possible. Two real ones are in the background, two false ones meeting in each other and country. Everything is false because it comes out of planning. Even when you love a person, you plan and go through a rehearsal. All the movements that you are going to make how you are going to kiss the gesture and everything becomes false why don't you trust yourself when the moment comes why you don't trust the spontaneity why can't you be real the mind cannot trust the moment it is always afraid. That's why it plans. Planning means fear. It is fear that plans. And by planning you miss everything. Everything that is beautiful and true. Everything that is divine you miss. Nobody has ever reached to the God with a plan. Nobody can ever reach. While Tokai was a visitor at a certain temple, a fire started under the kitchen floor. The first thing, fire creates fear. Because it is death. And if even fire cannot create fear, nothing can create fear. But fire cannot create fear only when you have encountered death, when you know that death doesn't exist. Otherwise, the moment you hear the word fire, you are in a panic. No need there to be a real fire. Just somebody comes running here and said, fire! And you will be in a panic. Somebody may have already jumped out of it. 
and may have killed himself and there was no fire only the word fire can give you a panic you live with words somebody says lemon and juice starts flowing in your mouth somebody says fire and you are no more here you have already escaped you live with words not with realities you live with symbols not with realities and all symbols are artifices they are not real i have heard overheard really an old woman was teaching a younger one how to cook a certain thing she was explaining and then she said six glugs of molasses the younger woman said six what the older woman said six glugs the younger one was puzzled and again asked never heard before what is this glug the older woman said my god you don't know such a simple thing then it is difficult to teach you cookery the younger son be kind and just tell me what this glug is the older woman said you tip the jug when it sounds glug that is one five more of it, of it. six glugs but the whole language is just like that no word really means anything the meaning is given by us by mutual contract that's why 3000 languages exist in the world not 3000 realities are there the whole language is just like glug you can create your private language there is no problem lovers always create their private language they start using words nobody understands what they are saying but they understand words are symbolic the meaning is given the meaning is not there when somebody says fire in the world there is no fire cannot be when somebody says god in the world god there is no god cannot be the word god is not god when somebody says love the word love is not love when somebody says i love you don't be deceived by the words but you will be deceived because nobody looks at reality people look at words only 
When somebody says, I love you, you think that, yes, he loves me, yes, he loves me. You are getting into a trap and you will be in difficulty. Just look at the reality of this man or this woman. Don't listen to the words, listen to the reality. Be in rapport with the reality of this person. And the understanding will arise whether whatsoever he is saying is only a word or it carries some content also. And depend on the content, never depend on the word. Otherwise, sooner or later, you will be frustrated. So many lovers are frustrated in the world. Ninety percent, the word is the cause. They believed in the word. And they didn't look at the reality. Remain unclouded with the words. Keep your eyes clean with the words. Don't allow them to settle in your eyes and in your ears. Otherwise you will live in a false world. Words are false in themselves. They become meaningful only if some truth exists in the heart from where the words are coming. While Tokai was a visitor at a certain temple, a fire is started under the kitchen floor. Fire is fear, fire is death, but not the word fire. A monk rushed into Tokai's bedroom shouting, A fire, master, a fire. He was excited. Death was near. Ah, said Tokai sitting up. Where? You cannot excite a master even if death is there because excitement belongs to the mind. And you cannot surprise a master even if death is there because surprise also belongs to the mind. Why you cannot surprise a master? Because he never expects anything. How can you surprise a man who never expects anything? Because you expect and something else happens, that's why you are surprised. If you walk on the street and you see a man coming and suddenly he becomes a horse, you are surprised. Amazed what has happened. But even this will not surprise a man like Tokai. Because he knows life is a flux, everything is possible. Even a man can become a horse. A horse can become a man. This is how it has been already happening. Many horses have become men and many men have become horses. Life moves on. A master remains without any expectation. You cannot surprise. Everything is possible. 
and he is not closed for any possibility. He lives in the moment totally open, whatsoever happens, happens. He has no plan against reality, no protection. He accepts. If you expect something, you cannot accept. If you accept everything, you cannot expect. If you accept and you don't expect, you cannot be surprised. And you cannot be excited. Excitement is a fever. It is a disease. When you get excited, your whole being is feverish. You are hot. You may like it sometimes, because there are two types of fevers. One that comes out of pleasure and one that comes out of pain. One that you like, you call pleasure, but it is also a fever, excitement. And one that you dislike, you call pain, disease, illness. But both are excitements. And try to observe, they go on changing into each other. You love a woman. You get excited and you feel a certain pleasure. Or you interpret that this is pleasure. But let that woman remain there. Sooner or later, the excitement is gone. On the contrary, a boredom creeps in. You feel fed up. You would like to escape. You would like to be alone. And if the woman still continues, now the negative enters. You are not only bored, you are in a negative fever now. You feel ill. You feel nauseous. Look, your life is just like a rainbow. It carries all the colors. And you go on moving from one color to another. It carries all the extremes, all the opposites. From pleasure you move to the pain, from pain you move to the pleasure. If pain is too long, even you may start getting a certain pleasure out of it. If pleasure is too long, you will certainly get pain out of it. Both are states of excitement. Both are fevers. A man of understanding is without fever. You cannot excite You cannot surprise Even if death is there, he will coolly ask where and this question where is very beautiful because a man of enlightenment is always concerned with the here.
he is not concerned with there he is not concerned with then he is concerned only with now now here is his reality then there is your reality a fire master a fire ah said to kai sitting up where he wants to know there are here where exclaimed the monk because he couldn't believe it that when there is fire somebody asks such stupid questions one should simply jump out of the window and get out of the house this is no time for subtle arguments where exclaimed the monk why under the kitchen floor get up at once the kitchen ah said the master drowsily well tell you what when it reaches the passageway come back and let me know when it reaches here then come and let me know if it is there it is none of my concern the anecdote is very revealing anything there is not a concern only when it becomes here it becomes real a master cannot plan for the future of course he is ready whatever happens he will respond but he cannot go through a rehearsal and he cannot plan and he cannot move before the reality has come he will say let the reality come let the moment knock at my door and then we will see unburdened with rehearsals plans he is always spontaneous and whatsoever he does with his spontaneity is always right remember this criterion always whatsoever comes out of your spontaneity is right there exists no other criterion of right and wrong whatsoever comes out of the moment your alive response to it is good nothing else is good there is just no other criterion for good and bad but you are afraid because of your fear you create morality because of your fear you create distinction between right and wrong but you don't you see that sometimes the situation is different and the right becomes wrong and the wrong becomes right but you remain dead you don't look at the situation you simply go on following your right and wrong and the conceptions around it 
That's why you become a misfit. Even trees are wiser than you. They are not misfits. Even animals are better than you. They are not misfits. Even clouds are worthier than you. They are not misfits. The whole existence fits together. Only man is a misfit. Where he has gone wrong? He has gone wrong with his mental distinction. This is right and that is wrong. And in life, such fixed things cannot be useful. Something is wrong this moment, next moment it becomes right. Something is right this moment, next moment it is no more right. What you will do? You will be constantly in a fear and worry. Inner tension. So the foundational teaching of all those who have known is be alert and spontaneous. And whatsoever happens out of your spontaneous alertness is right. And whatsoever happens out of your sleep unconsciousness is wrong. Whatsoever you do Unconsciously is wrong. Whatsoever you do with awareness is right. Right and wrong is not a distinction between objects. Right and wrong is a distinction between consciousnesses. For example, there is just a genus sect in India. Therapanth. Mahavir said that don't interfere in anybody's karma. Let him fulfill it. A beautiful thing. And he says really the exact thing. But now hippies are saying in the West, do your own thing. From the other side he says the same thing, that don't interfere with anybody's thing. Let him do his karma, let him fulfill. Don't interfere. Interference is violence. When you interfere into somebody's karma, you are doing a violence. You are throwing that man from his own path. Don't interfere. Beautiful thing, but how things can go wrong, even beautiful things. Then Therapanth concluded this sect, one sect of the gens, that if somebody is dying by the side of the road, you simply go on, you don't touch, you don't give him a medicine, you don't give him water if he's crying that I am thirsty, don't give him water because don't interfere into anybody's karma. Logical. Because if he is suffering because of his past karmas, then who are you to interfere? He must have accumulated a certain karma to suffer in this life by thirst and die out of it. Who are you to give him water? You simply neglect. 
you go on. I was talking to one of the leaders of Therapanth monks and I told him, and have you ever considered the possibility that it may be your karma to give him water? You are not interfering with his karma, with, but you are interfering with your own. If the desire arises to help him, what you will do? The desire shows that it is your karma to give him water. If you resist that desire and go on because of the principle, you are not spontaneous. So what to do? If you make dead principles heavy on your head, you will be always in trouble. Because life does not believe in your principles. Life has its own laws. But they are not your principles and your philosophies. Be spontaneous. If you feel like helping, don't bother what Mahavir has said. If you feel like helping, help. Do your thing. If you don't feel like helping, don't help. Whatsoever Jesus says, that by helping people, you will help me. Don't bother. Because sometimes the help may be dangerous. A man is ready to kill somebody. And he says to you, that give me water. Because I am feeling so thirsty and I cannot go on this long journey to kill that man. What you will do? Because if you give him water, you help him in murder. Decide. But never decide before the moment. Because all decisions will go false. One never knows what type of situation will be there. In Indian old scriptures there is a story. A murderer came to a crossroad where a monk was sitting and meditating. And he was following a man. He has already, already hit him hard. But the man escaped. The victim escaped and he is following. On the crossroad he is puzzled. He asked this monk who is meditating under a tree, that have you seen a man with blood flowing, passing from here, which direction he has gone, because it is a crossroad. What this monk should do? If he says the truth, that he has gone to the north, he will become a patch of the murders. If he says he has not gone to the north, he has gone to the south, he will be saying a lie. What he should do? Should he be true? 
and allow the murder? Or should he become a liar and stop this murder? What he should do? There have been many answers. I have none. Jains say that even if it is going to be untruth, let him be untrue because violence is the greatest sin. They have their own valuation. Violence is the greatest sin. Truth comes next. But Hindus say no. Truth comes to be the first. Let him be true. He has to be true and let things happen whatsoever happens. Gandhi said, Gandhi has his own answer about this. He said that I cannot choose between these two because both are supreme values and there is no choice. So I will tell him the truth and will stand in his way and I will tell him first kill me and then you follow that man. It appeals, Gandhi's answer appeals, seems to be better than both Hindu and Jains. But look at the whole situation. The man is going to commit one murder and Gandhi is forcing him to commit two. So what about his karmas? I have no answer or my answer is that don't decide before him let the moment come and let the moment decide because who knows the murderer may be such a man worth murdering who knows the victim may be a dangerous man and if he survives, he will murder many. Who knows what the situation will be because it will never be the same again. And you cannot know the situation beforehand. Don't decide. But your mind will feel uneasy without decision because the mind needs clear-cut answers. Life has none, no clear-cut answers. Only one thing is certain, you be spontaneous and alert and aware and don't follow any rule. Simply be spontaneous and whatsoever happens, let it happen. If you feel in that moment like taking the risk, 
of losing truth, lose it. If you feel in that moment that that man is not worth, then let the violence happen. Or if you feel that man is of more worth than me, then stand in between. Millions of possibilities will be there. Don't fix it beforehand. Just be aware, aware and alert and let things happen. Or you may not like to say anything. Why not be silent? Don't say any untruth. Don't help the man in violence. Don't force the murder to commit two murders. Why not be silent? Who is forcing you? But let the movement decide. That is what all the awakened ones have said. But if you listen to ordinary moralists, they will tell you that life is dangerous, you go with a decision. Otherwise, you may do something wrong. And I tell you, whatsoever you do with a decision will be wrong. Because the whole existence is not following your decisions. The whole existence moves in its own way. You are a part to it. How can you decide for the whole? You have simply to be there and feel the situation and do whatsoever you can do with humbleness. with every possibility of its being wrong. Don't be such an egoist that whatsoever I do will be right. And then who will do the wrong? Don't be such an egoist that I am the moral and the other is immoral. The other is also you. You are also the other. We are one. The murderer and the victim are not two. But don't decide. Just be there. Feel the whole situation. Be in rapport with the whole situation. And let your inner consciousness do whatsoever comes. You should not be the doer. You should be just a witness. Doer has to decide beforehand. A witness need not. That is the whole message of Krishna in Gita. Krishna says, you just see the whole situation. And don't follow moralist dead rules. You see the situation. And act as a witness. Don't be a doer. And don't be bothered what will be the result. Nobody can say what will be the result. In fact, there is no result, cannot be, because it is an infinity. For example, Hitler was born. If the mother had killed this child, all the courts in the world 
would have found her a murderess. She would have been punished. But now we know better that it was better to kill the Hitler than to leave him alive because he killed millions. So did Hitler's mother was right in not murdering this child? Was she right? Or was she wrong? Who is to decide? And how that poor mother could know that this boy is going to murder so many people? Who is to decide? And how to decide? And it is an infinite sequence. Hitler killed many. But who can decide whether those were the right persons to be killed or not killed? Who will ever decide? Who will ever know? Nobody knows. Who knows God sends Hitler-like people to kill all those who are wrong? Because somehow or other God is involved in everything. He is in the Ram and he is in the Ram. The man who dropped the atom bomb on Hiroshima, was he right or wrong? Because of his bomb, the second war stopped. Of course, the whole city of one lakh people dropped dead immediately. But if atom was not dropped on Hiroshima, the war would have continued. And many more lakhs people would have died. And if only one year more, Japan could have survived, they could have invented the atom bomb then. They would have dropped it on New York, on London. Who is to decide and how to decide whether the man who dropped the bomb was right or wrong? Life is so entangled, entwined, and every event leads to other events. And whatsoever you do, you will disappear. But whatsoever you did, the consequences will continue forever and forever. They cannot end. Even a small act, you smile at a person. And you have changed the whole quality of the existence. Because that is, smile will decide many things. It happened. I was reading Greta Garbo's biography. She was an ordinary girl working with a barber just soaping people's faces and she would have remained the same because she was already 22 and then one American film director accidentally came to that barber shop 
there were twenty shops in the town. And when she was soaping his face, he smiled, looking at the girl in the mirror and said, How beautiful! And everything changed. This was the first man who said to Greta Garbo, How beautiful! Nobody has ever said. And she never thought herself beautiful. Because how can you think yourself beautiful if nobody says? The whole night she could not sleep. The next morning she searched for the director where he is staying. And she asked again, really you think that I am beautiful? The director may have remarked casually. Who knows? But when a girl comes searching for you and asks again, really? You told me, really you meant it? The director said, yes, you are beautiful. Then Greta Garbo said, then why not give me some work in your film? In some film you are making. Now things started. And Greta Garbo became one of the most famous actresses. Very small things move around and they go on moving. It is just like throwing a small pebble in the lake. Such a small pebble. And then ripples go on and on and on. And they will go on to the very end. By the time they reach to the shore, Long before it, the people has settled deep into the bottom is lost. They will change. That people will change the whole quality of existence because it is one net. It is just like a spider's web. You touch from anywhere and shake it a little and the whole webs ripples everywhere it is felt you smile at a person and the whole world is a spider's web and the whole God is changed through that smile but how to decide Krishna says you need not be bothered with this season because it is such a vast thing you will never be able to make a decision. So don't think about the result. You simply do whatsoever the situation. Be spontaneous, alert, be a witness and not a doer. A monk rushed into Tokai's bedroom shouting, A fire master, a fire! Ah, said Tokai, sitting up, where? Where? exclaimed the monk. Why? Under the kitchen floor. Get up at once. The kitchen? Ah, said the master drowsily. Well, tell you what. When it reaches the passageway, 
come back and let me know. When it has become already a present, then let me know. It is still in the future. Don't bother me. So Kai was snoring again in no time. This is the quality of an enlightened person. So relaxed that the fire is burning in the kitchen. The house is getting on fire. Everybody is excited and running around. Nobody knows what is going to happen. Everything is a mess. He can relax and go to sleep again. He was snoring in no time. This non-tenseness. Must come out, has to come out of a deep trust that whatsoever happens is good. He is not worried. Even if he dies, he is not worried. Even if the fire comes and burns him, he is not worried. Because he is no more. The ego is not there, otherwise there will be fear, there will be worry, there will be future, there will be planning, there will be desire to escape, save oneself. He is not worried. He simply falls back into his sleep, relaxed. There is no possibility of relaxation if you have a mind and the ego. The ego is the center of the mind. You will be tense. You will remain tense. How to relax? Is there any way to relax? There is no way, but understanding is there. If you understand the nature of world, the nature of very existence, who are you to worry and why be in a worried state continuously. Nobody asked you when you were born. Nobody is going to ask when you will be taken away. Then why be worried? Birth happened to you. Death will happen to you. Who are you to come in between? Things are happening. You feel hunger, you feel love, you feel anger. Everything happens to you, you are not a doer. The nature takes care. You eat and the nature digests it. You need not bother about it, how the stomach is functioning, how it is going to become blood. If you become too tense about it, you will have ulcers and king-size ulcers, not ordinary. No need to worry. The whole is moving. The vast, the infinite is moving. You are just a wave in it. Relax and let things be. Once you know how to let go, you have known all that is worth knowing. If you don't know how to let go, 
whatsoever you know, it is worthless, it is rubbish. Enough for today.